Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Uh, Those are the words of a delusional ideologue. Of course, our border is wide open. Since Joe Biden took office, more than 5 million illegal aliens have entered our country. That's like adding the entire population of the state of Colorado to our country. And if the administration doesn't get its act together and take steps to close our border, especially if they go forward with rescinding the public health emergency exclusionary order at the border known as Title 42, we could add another 5 million in the next year alone. So this is a urgent, urgent crisis at our border. But Alejandro Mayorkas and Joe Biden just don't seem to be up to the task. I don't even seem to uh, be willing to admit that it is a crisis. That is the truth. That's Senator Tom Cotton of Arkansas right there. Unwilling to recognize it. And of course, Mayorkas needs to go. And when I got asked, uh, I think it was on, on Fox, it was Mike Emanuel, it's a couple weeks ago, uh, what do I think of, of uh, House Minority Leader McCarthy, who might very well be Speaker of the House McCarthy? What do I think of him uh, saying that the first thing we're going to do is uh, impeach uh, Alejandro Mayorkas? I think it's a great start. That's a great start. Now, I do focus on the things that matter. A lot of people are focused on Twitter and uh, the uh, suspending of these reporters. I'll break it down for you. I'll explain the right and wrong. And then, of course, the big story, which is these kinds of things are the reason we're not talking about the border. It's Tony Katz. That's me. Hey, Tony Katz today. 833. Got Tony. 833-468-8669. That's the number. Uh, That's how you get to be a part of the show. It got learned uh, yesterday that uh, Elon Musk, Twitter, had suspended a group of reporters. Now, I want to say for the record, they all weren't uh, reporters. A lot of them were schmucks. If you ask me what I think of of Aaron Rupar, I have no respect for Aaron Rupar. You never even heard of Aaron Rupar. But big on on Twitter for sharing parts of uh, comments made by Republicans. Purposeful, willful, and the wanton in the the trying to manipulate. If you ask me if I think he's a scumbag, the answer is yes, I do. What does he think of me? I have absolutely no idea. Don't care. Sleep fine. Not my guy. Should he have been suspended? That's an interesting, interesting question. And through all of this, I I know what you're going to say, which is the political left, when they control Twitter, they they suspended people all the time on the political right. Reporters got suspended, or 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 a commentator got suspended, or this one was shadow banned. What do we care what happens to them? The argument is. If we don't believe in those things and if we believe in free speech, why would we be okay with Elon Musk when he does it? If he's going to suspend people willy-nilly, it should be a problem. A problem is a problem is a problem. An issue is an issue is an issue. It goes along in that rational mode of thinking. You can't decide that it matters when you're not the guy and it doesn't matter when you are the guy. That's a bunch of crap. But why were these people suspended? A, a guy from, from CNN uh, got suspended. Uh, his name's Doni. Is, is that his name? Uh, Doni O'Sullivan. And oh, he, he had a lot to say about his being suspended uh, there from Twitter. Listen. Yeah. So you really, I, I wasn't 
joking or serious. What did you do? You just simply reported on yeah, Twitter we, and we, Elon Musk. We did reporting. And look, I mean, I think it's important to point out here. Twitter is a private company. Yeah. It can do whatever the hell it wants, yeah. okay? Uh, you know, when it kicked off Donald Trump um, back in January 2021, um, many people said, look, Trump has other platforms. Twitter, we, as we spoke about yesterday, the First Amendment does not apply to Twitter. Uh, but coming from the guy who's the free speech absolutist, uh, who, <laughs> who says he wants this to be a beacon of free expression, it is quite something to see him batting journalists who all just happen uh, to cover him critically, but I would also say fairly. So is that why they were thrown off? Because they were covering him critically, but fairly? Well, it turns out, no. What they were doing was sharing his whereabouts. I guess there's been this uh, following his jet. I know there was this kid doing it, and he tried to pay the kid to stop. Like, following his jet's movements, always oh, flying here, always flying there, always land. And he, he said that that is a violation of the doxing rules of Twitter. Doxing is when you reveal somebody's address or personal uh, in, information. And so there were a couple of these so-called journalists who had done this thing. And that's why they got suspended. I thought it was a permanent suspension. Turns out it was a suspension for seven days. Donny O'Sullivan continues there being asked by the CNN morning show trio, which I assume doesn't exist much after New Year's. You obviously have a unique perspective because you've been reporting on him and this, and you'll continue to. You're also in the middle of it in a mm. weird way that journalists don't want to be, don't want to become the story. The question is, what levers are there to pull now? You heard what the German foreign minister, I think that mm. was, said. Um, what will businesses do? What will media companies that advertise on it do? CNN says they're reevaluating our relationship with Twitter in that statement. What will big advertisers like an Apple do? I mean, I... I love the fact that CNN... When this happened, said they're going to reevaluate their partnership, their relationship with Twitter. They had been censoring people for years, and you were okay with it, proving you're not about journalism, you're about narrative. You just admitted that CNN, under Jeff Zucker, sucked. No interest in journalism, no interest in journalistic integrity, only an interest in destroying your enemy and keeping those no-good bastards quiet. Come on. Come on. It's a Friday. Your feet are up. You're already thinking about where you're going for Christmas. We can be honest with each other, kids. CNN doesn't actually care about free speech. They don't care about other outlets having something to say. Screw them. Oh, they don't give a good holy you-know-what. You know it, and I know it. So now, you've got Adonio Smith, uh, Adonio Sullivan, I'm sorry, um, explaining to you why this is important. I think our colleague Oliver, who's been reporting this out this morning, also said that that is uh, something to watch. Um, you know, I think one thing that's really important to, to stress here is um, I have a platform. I'm on CNN, but you guys right now. Uh, we are in the privileged position, really, yeah. as journalists, where if we want to quit Twitter, we're still going to be able to report and do our jobs. For a lot of independent freelance journalists around the world, you know, the reality is they have to be on Twitter because that is where editors and, and publishers will see their work and might hire them. I worry about the chilling effect that this might have on those reporters. 
You didn't give a damn about the chilling effect the censorship of Twitter had on other reporters, on other columnists, on other commentators. Let me be a little personal. I don't know Donny O'Sullivan at all. He has never said a bad word about me that I know about. I've never said a bad word about him, period. You think Donny O'Sullivan ever gave a good holy damn about me? Cared whether or not I was being suppressed uh, on Twitter, whether my conversations were being allowed, whether or not I was being shadow banned? What about anybody else? Don't you dare cry. Don't you even begin to cry. Like somehow you've been done wrong. When you allowed others to be done wrong and you didn't say a damn thing. Particularly when you think that Musk also owns these other companies, Tesla and SpaceX. What if you're in Germany or elsewhere and you're reporting uh, on maybe poor working conditions? Is he going to come and, and just stamp you down because he says, oh, that's against the rules? Wow. I'm still fascinated, though, about how no. this actually went down. No, he's not. Now, you would also argue that you're right. That would be uh, wrong. That's the thing that we're asking the question about. If indeed this is about the sharing of somebody's physical location, which uh, he referred to, I believe, as assassination coordinates, he's right. And if Donny O'Sullivan doesn't understand that, well, then to hell with him. If these people didn't share the real-time coordinates, well, then I don't know why they got thrown off. Are they low life? So sure, you could say that, feel free, I can't stop you. But that's not enough to remove somebody. We have to have a, 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 a rule, a thread, a, 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 a through line. We don't want people removed just because they're lowlifes. Because only you think they're lowlife. Somebody else thinks they're wonderful. This Donio Sullivan, somebody thinks he's just the bee's knees, man. They think he's the best. They think he's groovy. All the chicks think he's peachy keen. That's right, peachy keen. Ryan is in studio today. Ryan's running the board, and he just looked at me like, what in the hell is a peachy keen? And I said, that's how I know you're 24. Wait, you're 23, aren't you? 22. Case rested, everybody. Good Lord. You don't throw people off just because you don't like them. If there's a violation of rules, you do what you got to do. And again, yes, Elon Musk can do anything he wants. I don't make an argument. But we are going to notice. We're going to say something. We're going to make a statement about it. I wouldn't want these people thrown off just because I think they're jerks. Because I would never want them having me thrown off because they think I'm a jerk. Free speech is never for the, the, the speech that you love. It's for the speech that you hate. It always is, always is, always is, always is. So that's the story with Twitter. Now I ask you, do you think that story matters as much as people trying to cross the border illegally, as fentanyl coming across the border, people dying on their way to the border, the rapes that happen at the border, the destruction of property at the border, the loss of life at the border, the cost of the border? Do you think for a second this Twitter story is anywhere near close? And the answer is, well, of course not. So why... Why is this Twitter story the story? I have got drugs at the border. I have got death at the border. And I've got billions of dollars being lost at the border. But instead, 
CNN right now is focused on Twitter and saying that it'll have a chilling effect on free speech. Boy, that escalated quickly. I mean, that really got out of hand fast. Narrative versus news. What we are seeing, what we're being told is not news, it's narrative. News is that our country is in a shambles at the border and no one seems to care. Partially because our attention is being diverted to, oh my gosh, look what Elon did. You know, Elon Musk, a guy you've never met, maybe you bought his car, a guy you never will meet, and the amount of money he has will never, ever be a problem to you. I'm going to stay focused on the things that matter, guys. Hope you don't mind. I'm Tony Katz. About this is our health experts seem more concerned, the American Journal of Medicine, whatever it is, JAMA, what, uh, seems more concerned with shaming a population than actually uncovering the origins of COVID. And is that because they have monkey blood on their hands? Or, <laughs> bat, or bat blood. blood. <laughs> well, I debunked this study in oh. the 10 minutes it took to wait for my acupuncture appointment. That's uh, the five. That was uh, Greg Gutfeld and Jesse Waters, and I have no idea if Jesse goes for acupuncture or not. I don't actually know. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. You want to wear a mask? Go ahead. You don't? That's fine. Uh, The idea that you're going to force people into masks, you're a freak. And the CDC is not playing honestly when it talks about uh, COVID and, and, and masks. But we should stop thinking that the CDC is ever going to play honest. Stephen Gutowski is uh, with The Reload. That's his site. Um, Gun guy, very, very knowledgeable cat. And Stephen pointed out that emails show that the CDC removed defensive gun use stats after a gun control meeting with advocates, and they were pressured. Whenever they say, you know, guns, no good ever comes from a gun, they never discuss... What is self-defense with a firearm? Extremely important. Happens all the time. Self-defense with a firearm happens all the time. And yet they don't they don't like to bring it up. They don't like to discuss it. Now we learn from the reload.com after complaints from a trio of gun control advocates, the CDC quietly altered its website to remove a range of estimates on how often guns are used in self-defense. He continues that for years, the CDC's fast facts website on gun violence included a reference to the range of estimates on how often guns were used in self-defense. 60,000 to two and a half million times a year, by the way. It's a lot of times and a link to a CDC review of studies on the topic. But after the White House and Senator Dick Durbin's office connected these people with CDC officials, these gun control people started disputing uh, the the data and said, you know, when you have that data, it makes it harder uh, to, to pass uh, gun uh, uh, restrictions. And uh, the CDC was like, but we think this data's right. 
and then there was another meeting, and then the next thing you know, it's like, all right, we, we'll 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 just get rid of that data. We'll change that data. That data won't be up there anymore. But bye. And that was that. Don't tell me the CDC isn't political. Don't tell me scientists aren't political. Don't tell me doctors aren't political. That's a blanking lie. That's all that has ever been, and that's all it will ever be. It's a lie. When you try and sell us on the idea that these people are all about the science, it's a lie. So I don't know why we're supposed to somehow listen to Fauci or anybody else when the CDC engages in things like this, when Fauci engages in things like this, when other professionals engage in these kinds of things, lie about the things they said. You're not crazy. And they are absolutely hell-bent on making you think that you're crazy. You're not. You're not mad. You're not mental. You're not ridiculous. You see it with your own eyes. And what you see is pretty gross. Uh, We'll see based on this uh, um, reporting, and you'll find this at The Reload, thereload.com. And then you can see for yourself what was done, who advocated for it, what what they changed, and then hopefully apply pressure to have it returned. Remember, these anti-gun zealots are cultists, and they will do anything to keep you from being able to engage your rights. That's the plan. That is not a bug to them. That's a feature. Keeping you from being able to utilize your rights. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today. The Colts take on the Vikings. Purdue has a new coach. Andrew Brees is a coach. And yet you got a whole bunch of players who have decided a citrus ball. Nah, I'll pass. It's all very strange. Tony Katz, good to be with you. JMV joins us right now from 93.5-1075. The fan, before we get into the Colts against the Vikings this Saturday, Explain the Drew Brees thing to me. The former quarterback, the NFLer, the clear Hall of Famer, he's coming back to be a coach just for the Citrus Bowl? Um, I think it's PR, Tony. That's how it was explained to me. It's probably goodwill PR more than it is maybe anything else. So, I mean, I you can look at it two different ways. I don't think it's that egregious, but... You know, I'd asked the question yesterday, so what is what is this about? And it was kind of explained to me that it was probably more PR um, for a team. Obviously, it's going to be lacking a lot of it with their coach going to Louisville, their new coach not coaching, and the brother of the coach going to Louisville that's going to be coaching them on an interim basis. No O'Connell, no Charlie Jones, uh, no Payne Durham. So, yeah, PR is probably what you're looking for more so than anything else. And a lot of sideline shots of the future Hall of Famer, maybe putting some, getting some input as far as uh, play-by-play 
is concerned. But, yeah, a lot of PR rolling right there, Tony. What, what's the point? Doesn't it look more pathetic than valuable? Like, it, it, it looks gimmicky. I'm, I'm not mad at Drew Brees. If, if someone said Drew Brees was going to get into the coaching game and he was not going to do any of the commentating or anything else, people are like, okay, that's, that's cool. Wouldn't, wouldn't you want to have him as, uh, on your staff and see where his, his future goes? But that doesn't seem what this is. No, I, I don't know if I look at it as, as gimmicky. Um, it is probably. I mean, I, I'm not suggesting you're wrong because you can look at it that way. Um, I just I don't think it's that big of a deal all the way around, to be honest with you. So I just kind of look at it as he's going to be down there and they're kind of doing it um, for for the love, and that's, that's about it. There's not a, a great deal behind it. I don't think he's going to all of a sudden be struck with the, hey, I'd like to do this you know, for my alma mater in the future or anything like that. It's just kind of a, a one-time thing, as it was explained to me, and they'll move forward afterwards. Gimmicky is probably a good thing, probably a good way to, to put it, to be honest. Talking to JMV from 93.5, The Fan, and the Citrus Bowl, Purdue against LSU, and you've got a multiplicity of players who have decided not to play, including O'Connell, the quarterback, and there's a, there's a family reason for that one, which – I don't know how people feel about that. What about everybody else? Um, well, I mean, you got guys who are just going to go ahead and get ready for the NFL. They don't want to take a chance on getting hurt in a situation like that. Um, you see a lot of players, Tony, around college football, the bowl games. That's just what these bowl games, for the most part, unless you're in the college football playoff, that's what these bowl games mean. If you are – somebody who believes, somebody who has been told you're going to be, you know, a high draft selection in the NFL draft or have that opportunity, you're not going to chance it for that. So I I always kind of look at that as being really lame. I can kind of understand it because the NFL is just kind of a short window of opportunity here and you want to take advantage of it. You don't want to start out being injured because certainly we've seen examples in the past, Tony, of guys getting injured in a situation like this. But – it's your team, man. I don't know how you grew up. I know how I grew up. It's your team, and you go with your team, and you're a part of your team. But uh, it's tough to be critical of these guys because I guess ultimately they're making a longer-term business decision. Well, I think it's hard to be critical of these guys when it's your team, it's your team, it's your team, and Jeff Brom isn't there to guide yeah. the team in a bowl game. Yeah, but here's the thing, though. Their teammates are there. I mean, the guys that you ride with all year long are there. So, I mean, that's – I get what you're saying about Jeff Braun being a Louisville, but, you know, the guys that you have, you know, ran with, done drills with, played with all season long, most of those guys are still there. Most of those guys are still playing. So that's the type of, you know, rah-rah team thing that I'm giving right here. But ultimately what it comes down to is, you know, for these guys, you know, Charlie Jones, for example, you know, Payne Durham, for example, uh, this comes down to a business decision. Now let's move it over to the game – well, really, tomorrow, uh, you've got the Colts, you've got uh, the Vikings. You know, we've already talked about Jeff Saturday saying he wants this uh, head coaching gig on a full-time basis. He wants to be able to interview uh, for it. Uh, to give himself an opportunity, he has to win out. And certainly, as you've described, the Colts have to win out to give themselves any opportunity to actually have uh, an opportunity at the playoffs, which is still possible. It's still possible, based on the math, for the Colts to win the AFC South. Uh, the Vikings don't seem like the team they're going to get the win over, even though the Vikings have had their struggles. 
Yeah, well, the Vikings defensively, they're going to keep the Colts in it tomorrow, Tony. They will. Defensively, they're just not very good. They'll probably make Matt Ryan look good because their defense just is not good. They have surrendered a lot of points in the past couple of weeks, and you saw what the Lions, certainly, and Dan Campbell did to them. So I think that their defense being so lackluster will keep the Colts in it. But here's what you got to figure out here. you got to figure out, and, and this is where – Jim Irsay has put Jeff Saturday in such a bad situation, and here's why. Because logically, where this team is going, they're not going to make the postseason. They're not going to win this division. None of that crap is happening. You want to position yourself the best as possible for one of those top three quarterbacks. Now, if you go out and win a couple of games, that's great for Jeff Saturday, but that's not great for your future because you're going to be out of the window of guys like you know, Will Levis uh, or maybe C.J. Stroud, somebody like that if they're hanging around around seven or eight or nine in that neighborhood of that April NFL draft, you'll take yourself out of consideration. But if you're Jeff Saturday and you don't win these games, what happens is in the court of public opinion from the fan base, they're already hoping for another coach. They don't want you to be the head coach. And if Jim Mercer really truly wanted Jeff Saturday to be the coach, then he would have waited until the offseason. He wouldn't have done that during the season because whoever was going to be coaching this team, Tony, one likely was going to lose anyway. So, to me, if you really wanted Jeff Saturday to have a shot at that job, you would have given Jeff Saturday that job after the season because somebody else would have coached him up, somebody else would have lost, and then you would not have that stain of losing still continuously this season on Jeff Saturday. So, it's going to be interesting. And by the way, Jim Arsay mentioned a couple of different times at the owners' meetings yesterday when he was talking about going out and interviewing, coming up in the offseason, potential coaches. He mentioned the collegiate level a couple of different times, so it makes you wonder about how hard he may go after Jim Harbaugh. When it's I, you know, you you bring up Ursay, and, and I have discussed this with you. Uh, I know that some of your compatriots over there on the fan uh, have talked about this. They've got stories out about this. Nothing's going to get better until Jim Ursay steps aside. And until so, the Ursay family looks at him and says, you are a connective tissue to the problems post Andrew Luck, or or the problems post, if 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 you will, uh, Peyton Manning, you can't be involved in day to day decisions. That's over. You've hurt this team, and you've hurt the continuity and opportunities for this team. Will anybody tell him that? No, nobody will tell him that. And I, I'm going to ask you this question: If I, I'll ask you right now, do you think the fans would rather have Chris Ballard back? as the general manager for another year, or Jeff Saturday back as the head coach next year? If we were going to ask Colts fans that, what do you think? They, they, would, they, would, take, they would take Saturday over Ballard, but that's an emotional decision. Yeah, I mean, and because it's a longer-term thing, it's, okay, you've had six years to show what you uh, unfortunately have not been capable of doing, and Jeff Saturday has this small window so far. And more of the emotion that you're talking about is how Jeff Saturday was a player during the successful years here. But – what you're doing, Tony, is you're working Jeff Saturday into that category of they don't think he's the future head coach. And you're talking about who is going to say something to Jim Irsay about, you know, making sure you don't meddle any longer. Because clearly, to me, Chris Ballard is a guy that has not been behind a couple of these decisions as of recently. So I don't know how much of the ear of Jim Irsay he has. So can he tell him? Probably not. So who's going to be able to tell him? Nobody. Nobody but Jim Irsay. He has daughters, right? Yeah, he does. 
I don't. Okay. I don't know. I don't know about that, brother. If, if they <laughs> so, need help, I'll help them craft the message. I'm pretty good at these. Well, things. listen. He needs somebody. He needs somebody strong in the department of general manager or head coach. And I don't think either one. All of these I can. Guys, all I can do is special Jim, Jim advisor. Marble, I, I don't think I'm the guy to be the general manager. They can get somebody else. But if tell him. Uh, tell him to stay out of the way. Yeah, I can do that. Yeah. Well, here's the other thing too. I think he'll stay out of the way if they start seeing success. That's the other thing. And how long is it going to be before they see some consistent success? That's, that's beyond just Tony being told and wanting to step aside and not meddle. I think when he does that, that is when this team starts winning again and he doesn't feel the need, whenever that's going to be. Yeah, if I'm being asked, uh, the, the Colts faithful would take Saturday as coach versus Ballard as general manager. I, and I do. I, I think it's absolutely based on emotion. Could I be wrong on that? I guess, I guess it's possible. I guess it's possible. My thanks to JMV for being with us. I think they would take Saturday. I think they would take the emotion over everything else. With, without question, that's what they would do. And I don't 100% know if I, if I blame them. I don't know why I, I, I would. I don't know what to make of Ballard. Because if you want to argue he's done a terrible job, you can. Except when you took a look at this draft class, everyone was like, oh, this is pretty good. You haven't seen bad draft classes. You've seen some not work out as well as others. What you haven't seen is a quarterback being selected, that position being handled. Yes, the offensive line failed, failed miserably uh, so far this year. Is that Ballard's fault? Because on paper, these guys look like the guys. All that money, they look like the guys. So is that a Ballardism or is that Frank Reich ruining the potential, not putting it in place, maybe getting rid of, uh, what was his, Marcus? Oh, what was his name? Oh, I can't remember the offensive coordinator's name. Getting rid of him was a, a move or, or, or moving things in that, on that offensive line. Uh, things that those coaches wouldn't do, didn't do. Maybe it's on him. Because I don't think people were talking about, man, that Ballard last year. The two losses last year that kept the Colts out of the playoffs with Phillip Rivers, that's the fault of, of, of coaching, right? Oh, no, it was on Phillip Rivers with Carson Wentz. That was the fault of Wentz. That was the fault of coaching. That was the fault of Reich. That's where that landed. So I don't know if it, I don't think it landed with Ballard. I never got that feel that it landed with him. But I think the emotion wins out. I'm, I'm giving a logical thing. The emotion wins out. You want Jeff Saturday. You believe in Jeff Saturday. He's brought you so many great things. Why not give it a shot? This is why Jim Irsay needs to be out of the picture. I've been saying this for a while. Allow me to plant my flag. Jim Irsay is the problem with this team right now. Jim Irsay will not leave well enough alone. Jim Irsay will not walk away. Jim Irsay might have a tremendous amount of football knowledge. What does that matter? He cannot act in a way that allows the team to thrive. He went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck, generational, generational quarterback to generational quarterback. And then the luck ran out. I mean, I wasn't trying to do wordplay there. It's just the way it worked. And he has, for five, six years now, just not had a quarterback, not had anybody who can do the job. And it shows massive, gaping holes in his theories, philosophies, and possibilities, what it is that he does. 
That's just that's just the way that one is. Things get better when he when he steps out. Um, I'm leaving it there. Things will be better when he steps out. And I believe I didn't mean he's still on the team. But don't have so much of a say and stop talking to the press. Don't make predictions. Let them play. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. follow-up on this Twitter insanity. I know, I know, everyone's on the Twitter insanity. NBC has pulled Ben Collins from commenting or from reporting on, on the story. This is insane. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. It's, it's good to be with you. Ben Collins is the dystopia reporter. Right? That's what he is. He, he, he reports on dystopia. So he's reporting on social media. Who knows? Whatever it is they say. But he's been so insanely critical of the subject of his, his reporting, name calling and everything else. Oh, oh there's a name to call. Uh, Elon Musk. He's all about it. That they pulled him. They said, nope. You can't report on this anymore. That's quite incredible. Incredible because you understand quickly. You ask yourself, why in the world would NBC pull this guy off of covering Elon Musk? I mean, being critical about Elon Musk is where it's at. Well, they're not just critical, they're into the full on name calling here. I mean, he is name calling and name calling Matt Taibbi and others who are reporting on what's called the Twitter files. And then it hits you, oh, they stopped him from reporting on Elon Musk because of what he's saying about Elon Musk because they don't want to get sued because they very well could get sued by Elon Musk because what Ben Collins is doing is not actual reporting. It's a smear campaign hiding behind Journalist Shield. That's what it is. So I think it's fascinating. We'll see who else gets pulled. We'll see how else it plays out. And again, I mean, I got I to gotta leave it there. If these reporters did not publish his location, Elon Musk's location, as, he's, as Musk is claiming, they should not be taken off the platform. They shouldn't be. Even if they're lowlifes. And, and I want to say for the record, I think they're lowlifes. Well, what does that matter? That I think someone's a lowlife, they might think I'm a lowlife. The difference is, is I'm right and they're wrong. But it doesn't matter because they think the opposite because they're delusional. And you got to let them speak. If they're threatening people, if they're doxing people, then that's different. You don't like what they say? Well, delete, block, delete, mute, block. What? That's it. There's nothing else. Super easy. Meantime, Joe Biden is doing totally Joe Biden things. I've got that story coming up. Find everything. TonyCats.locals.com. TonyCats.locals.com. This is Tony Katz Today.